The House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol is holding its fourth hearing today. So far, lawmakers have been making the case that former President Donald Trump and his allies knew that their plot to overturn the 2020 election was illegal. Here to chime in with more takeaways and a preview of what's to come in today's hearing, which kicks off in less than an hour, is Stephen Schwinn, law professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Welcome back to the show, Professor. Well, thanks so much for having me, Esther. Professor, what are your impressions of the January 6th committee hearings so far? So the committee has been doing an outstanding job of putting together evidence, some of which we've long known and other evidence that we haven't really known, putting it together in a kind of narrative uh, package that shows exactly who knew what when in order to help establish a case that those at very high levels at the White House, including former President Trump, knew that what they were doing was illegal and without basis and uh, and setting this up for potential prosecution by the Justice Department. Hmm. Quickly walk us through the first and second day of the hearings. What did we learn? So we learned, um, well, we learned a lot of things that we already knew, but uh, but packaged in a somewhat different way to create this kind of narrative that President Trump knew and understood that what he was doing was based on false information, that there really was no fraud in the election, at least not to the extent that would overturn the election, and that he knew that the legal plan laid out by John Eastman and others that were advising him was actually illegal, that there was no basis in law for the plan that they were setting out. And so we heard testimony from high-level, mostly Republicans, Uh, stating that President Trump understood these facts, he knew them, he had heard them from various sources, and, uh, and that he understood that what he was doing was illegal. Why didn't we hear testimony directly from then Vice President Mike Pence? Well, we haven't heard testimony directly from Mike Pence yet because the the committee has not called upon him to testify. Apparently, what the committee's strategy here is to get information from other people that were close to the situation and can testify to the facts without having to put Mike Pence uh, on uh, sort of on the stand, so to speak, before the committee. Now, the committee might call Mike Pence at some point and get direct testimony from Pence, but it seems that the evidence that they're able to put together is sufficient without Mike Pence's participation. Yesterday, Pence spoke at the University Club of Chicago and made little reference to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. What do you make of that? So Pence's comments uh, about the January 6th, uh, about the January 6th insurrection and the investigation and all of the goings on, I think, have to be understood in a political light these days. Um, I think everybody in the Republican Party who has any knowledge or participation in the insurrection at this point really is jockeying to find a place Mm -hmm. in the party for the future and to find a place for their own future in politics. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Ginny Thomas. She's married to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, The Washington Post reported last week that she had been in email correspondence with Trump's lawyer, uh, John Eastman, who, as we mentioned, was at the center of the plot to, to pressure Pence to block the certification vote. Explain what's going on there. This is a stunning revelation, Esther. Mm, It's uh, what it involves is the spouse of a Supreme Court justice who is 
who has and could potentially in the future rule on cases related to the January 6th insurrection, Trump's liability for the insurrection, and others' liability for the insurrection. And he's married to a person who was actively participating in the insurrection and trying to get high-level White House officials and other officials around the country, state officials, to go along with the with the, with the insurrection scheme that John Eastman and others had laid out. This is just a stunning revelation, and what it suggests is that uh, that Justice Clarence Thomas um, likely knows what his wife was mm. doing and probably has a conflict of interest in these cases. Well, but he still did not recuse himself uh, from the two cases pertaining to January 6th. No, he didn't. And according to Supreme Court rules, the justices themselves get to determine when and if they'll recuse mm. themselves from any particular case. And so Justice Thomas will go ahead and make the decision on his own, uh, irrespective of what anybody else tells him. I uh, I don't know what that's going to mean for future cases, but you're exactly right. He did not recuse in the prior cases. And so to the extent that that foreshadows his uh, behavior in future cases, I, I don't really expect him to recuse. This is Reset. I'm Esther Yunji Kang in for Sasha and Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what we've learned from the January 6th committee hearings so far and what to expect moving forward. Our guest today is Stephen Schwinn, law professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Uh, professor, the committee is scheduled to meet again today at noon. Uh, what will today's hearing touch on? So today's hearing is going to touch on former President Trump's attempts to pressure state officials to overturn the popular vote in their state, focusing on the uh, the effort in Arizona with uh, testimony from the Arizona Speaker of the House and efforts in Georgia, where President Trump uh, famously called Brad Raffensperger the Georgia election official, and ask Raffensperger to find uh, sufficient votes in the state to overturn the popular vote in the state. Uh, Trump uh, had made similar kinds of uh, threats and pressure campaigns against other state officials in Michigan and Pennsylvania, for example. And so today's hearing really will highlight those efforts and show that uh, that former President Trump was directly involved, as as we know, in pressure campaigns and threats against state officials to overturn the popular votes in their states. We also are going to hear state officials testify to what that resulted in, in terms of threats against them themselves, uh, the very serious physical threats against state officials and even members of the, of the January 6th commission now are coming to light that um, that these officials uh, were under serious physical threats because they refused uh, President Trump's threats and pressure campaign to overturn the will of the voters in the states. And why is it important to focus on this? Well, so the January 6th commission is, uh, is, is telling a larger story here. And mm. so the story is about uh, the pressure campaigns against Pence, the, uh, the legal theory behind the insurrection on January 6th, which includes a, a legal theory in Congress, but then also an approach to pressure and threaten state officials as, uh, as we're here today. The idea here is that there was a kind of multi-pronged, very carefully laid out legal theory and approach that was all wrong-headed, just to be clear about this, and 
utterly illegal, just to be clear about that as well, but nevertheless a very carefully coordinated campaign at every level of government, everything from pressure campaigns and threats to the vice president to pressure campaigns and threats to members of Congress, to pressure campaigns and threats to state officials, and as we'll hear on on Thursday, pressure campaigns and threats to members of Trump's own administration and the Justice Department. At every level of government, the Trump administration was pressuring and threatening officials to overturn the will of the people and to certify the election for Trump. So later this week, the fifth hearing will be led by Representatives Stephanie Murphy of Florida and Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. What are you expecting to hear from these representatives and the rest of the committee? So what we'll hear on Thursday is more about President Trump's threats and pressure campaigns against officials at the Justice Department. Now, this is really a stunning story. It's been told several times, but I expect the committee, as it has with its prior uh, hearings, to kind of put together a coherent narrative that brings all the disparate pieces together and tells a story that helps us understand how Trump's pressure campaign against officials in his own Justice Department uh, complemented and contributed to the larger larger approach to, uh, to overturn the election. What we'll hear is President Trump's uh, pressure campaign to install a leader at the Justice Department who then would contribute to a delay in the electoral count at Congress, sending the votes back to the states on a, on a theory that state legislatures are able to overturn the will of the voters, which incidentally is a theory that Justice Thomas subscribes to and underscores kind of the significance of Justice Thomas's uh, contribution to uh, to the insurrection as well and the link that we had talked about earlier with his wife, Jenny Thomas. Uh, and so what we'll hear on Thursday is about former President Trump's pressure and threat campaign against officials in his own administration in the Department of Justice to go along with the legal theory that John Eastman and others had laid out to overturn the election and, and send it to, to Trump. Well, Representative Adam Kinzinger received a mail threat to, quote, execute him and his family for his participation in the January 6th committee. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. This is the kind of thing that today's politics are going to bring. And with Trump and his supporters doubling down on these false claims of election fraud and this um, this just frankly quite wacky theory that state legislators ought to be able to overturn the will of the people, the more we hear about this, the more threats I'm afraid we're going to to see against members of the January 6th Commission, other election officials, mm. and uh, and officials at all levels of government. So moving forward, what happens if uh, what happens after these hearings wrap up? Uh, will charges be brought? That we don't know. And mm. so we, we do know that the Justice Department, to some degree, is coordinating with the committee and receiving information from the committee. What we don't know is exactly how much and exactly how that's happening. The committee is setting out a very careful narrative about what happened and giving the Justice Department all the information they need to bring criminal charges against a range of figures, including former President Trump 
if they decide to do that. Now, there are, uh, there are reasons, uh, some would say good reasons, for the Justice Department to exercise caution in bringing criminal charges against somebody like former President Trump. Others have claimed that the Justice Department really ought to bring those claims, and there's no good reason for them to stall. The, uh, the committee has given them all the evidence that they need. They can go ahead and bring those charges uh, if they want, and, um, and it really, at this point, is in Merrick Garland's hands and others at the Justice Department as to whether it's a good idea to bring this kind of prosecution, given the evidence that the committee has assembled for the Justice Department. That's Stephen Schwinn, law professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Professor, thanks for your time today. Thanks so much, Esther. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.